Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. So you're going remote. Well, here are the top four things that you are not going to do in that eventual shift to remote learning that we are all anticipating sooner rather than later. Number one, the first thing you're going to do is not go out and buy an entirely different program. We are not going to run to TPT and buy every single digital resource that is out there to support the learning that is happening in our classroom. Instead, what we are going to do is use the materials we already have on hand and easily adapt to those for an online learning environment. Now, that does not mean digitizing every single thing that we would do in class and turning it into a digital version of what we already own. It means literally adapting and changing and modifying what we have so that we can use it more simply in a digital learning environment. That could mean instead of photocopying that graphic organizer, that we teach our students instead to create their own graphic organizer. Students can simply write a T-chart to organize ideas into four quadrants, or they can use a mind map to sort and organize their brainstorming ideas. What we don't always need is the photocopied document and black line masters that we would typically and very easily photocopy at school. We don't need to transfer that into a digitized version. We can get our students to create it. We can find readings that are already online instead of using readings that might be in a textbook. So if we are looking at a story on David Suzuki in a textbook, we can simply find an alternative version that's already digitized, that's already online about him and have our students read that. We can find YouTube videos and materials that clearly adapt the learning that is already happening in our regular program, and we can move that into the digital space. We can also simplify and strip away all the complicated things that we do in our classrooms because they're less complicated when we're in person and simplify and remove what is absolutely unnecessary for our digital classroom. We can remember that our job as teachers is simply to turn the camera on and teach and talk and display and model and share and do things with our students. That we can do very simply and easily with just a camera and our face and a wall behind us with some markers. So we gotta keep it simple. And we can't just go out and buy everything brand new. It's not necessary. We don't need to have everything digitized and we don't need to have convert everything into a Google slide version. It doesn't make the learning easier for our students and it doesn't make life easier for us. So we've gotta keep it simple and remember to find the simplest solution to adapt what we already have to make it work for online learning. The second thing we are not going to do is find all of the tech devices and connect them all into the same meeting. We are going to simplify our tech. Now there's going to be some things that you can use to set up your own home classroom that is going to be simple and easy and allows us to get all of the jobs done. Two things that many teachers wanna be able to do is number one, share their screen so students can see what we are presenting and sharing and teaching them. And number two, we wanna be able to monitor our students and what it is they're doing in our classrooms. We wanna be able to see their faces on screen at the same time as we're presenting. 
For many of us, logically, that means that we're going to connect two separate devices into our meetings so that we can monitor and teach. The problem with that is we are going to quickly overwhelm our own bandwidth and make our meetings really laggy. The more simplistic way to do that is to grab a secondary monitor and connect it to your computer so you've got one connection to your meeting but two separate screens. Now, an easy way to find and source that second screen is to simply go to your school and find one of those old dinosaur computers that used to live in the computer lab and just grab the monitor. That can connect to your computer through a VGA or USB. If your school doesn't happen to have any of those monitors, take a trip to your secondhand shop such as Value Village or Goodwill and find a secondary monitor that is $5 to $10 quick and easy and simply. Connect it to your computer, and now you can drag the faces of your students onto one monitor as you display what's on your second monitor for students to see. You can have both of those things happening all at once. Now, another thing that we may need is something to write on. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to go and spend $300 on a document camera if you don't already have one supplied to you by your school. If you have an iPad, you can turn an iPad into a type of document camera, or you can use some of the whiteboard tools and a stylus and use your iPad as it's connected into your computer as a secondary monitor and be able to write on the iPad. So instead of using it as a secondary person inside your meeting, connect that to your computer and use it as a secondary device that allows you to write on your iPad. If you have a new Mac and an iPad, you can do that as a sidecar. You can use the iPad as a secondary monitor through their sidecar feature. But at the most basic, if you don't have any of that tech, all you need is a blank wall behind you and a place to write. So I could use this bulletin board behind me, throw up a chart paper and stand and teach right from the wall. I don't necessarily need to have a fancy document camera or whiteboard in which to teach from. The simplest way that we can get through remote teaching is often the easiest and the best, especially when we're probably combating the fact that we're not just teaching the students in our classroom, but we're also homeschooling our own kids and making sure that they're doing their own online lessons as well. The other thing I want you to avoid too is the FOMO, and that's the fear of missing out. Seeing online all of these teachers talking about new tech and new things and new this and new that and all of the new things, you're like, well, I should try that. No, I should try that. No, I should try that. No, I should try that. Cut it out. Keep it simple. There may be some tools that are going to help you and there may be some tools that are just not necessary depending on where you are in your ability to use tech. Master one piece of tech at a time. If you are simply just not familiar with using Teams or Meet, just master the features on Teams and Meet before you start adding things like Jamboard and Flipgrid and all of these other tools that are brand new and seem fancy and you hear other teachers doing amazing things. Don't compete with those other teachers. Compete with yourself. What is it that you need to focus on? What do you need to do? And what can you learn and master now? And once you've mastered it, then you can try something else. If that means you need to stay off of those Facebook groups so that you don't have the FOMO of tech, then do it. The third thing you're not going to do is you're not going to make things more complicated than they need to be. That means we are not going to have a digital slideshow for every minute of our online learning. 
I certainly won't be doing that for my class when we go remote. If we go remote or when we go remote, I'm not turning everything into a digital slide. For the most part, I'm simply just going to turn my camera on and teach. Teach the same lesson I would teach in front of them if they were in person. I would probably teach it very similarly to my remote class. I'm not creating slideshows for everything. I'm not creating PowerPoints for everything. I'm not creating Bitmoji classrooms so that they can click and drag and touch. I'm not even going to make text boxes for them. If they have a place they need to put a text box, they can learn how to create their own text boxes. I don't want to spend my time every evening inserting text boxes onto a page I want them to complete. I want them to learn how to insert their own text box and figure that out. I'm going to use the tools that I have, but I'm not going to do more than I need. And I'm also not going to do all of the work for my students. I am going to place some of the responsibility of doing things like adding text boxes on them. So I'm going to keep it super simple. Imagine what you would do if the photocopier was broken at school. What would your lessons change? How would they be modified? If you could not photocopy anything at school, it would mean you'd have to change how you taught, but you would still be able to teach. It would initially be more complicated, but you would be able to do it. We can teach when there is no photocopier because somebody jammed it and the tech is three days away. We can adapt to those days and what we would do to adapt our in-person learning when we don't have a photocopier is often the same things we can do to adapt our work when we are now in remote learning situation. The fourth and final thing you are not going to do because we're going remote is you are not going to be the band-aid for a broken system. The reality is remote teaching is not the ideal teaching situation. We're going to have kids that are not as engaged. They're not going to show up. We're going to have a hard time keeping their attention. It is going to be more difficult. We are going to feel like we're speaking to no one sometimes. It's going to be a challenge. There's going to be tech issues. We're not going to have enough resources. All of these things are the inevitable reality of what it means to flip immediately into a remote pretty much unprepared. Because we are teaching kids and families and they're coming at us with a whole host of circumstances. The entirety of this problem of being a remote teacher cannot sit solely on our shoulders. There are limits and boundaries to what we can be responsible for. And we cannot be responsible for everything, nor can we be responsible for fixing all of the problems that remote teaching causes. We can only do what we can. We can only do so much to make our lessons engaging to help our kids show up. The reality is there is also some accountability on their end and on the end of their parents to make sure that they show up. And as a parent, some days it's just not worth the fight to get my five-year-old to log into his kindergarten remote classroom. That I am dealing with a whole host of other issues in my house during a remote learning situation that means today and maybe we're just not going to be able to attend and I'm just going to take that as a loss for myself as a parent and be okay with it. 
but that's not my kid's teacher's problem. And it's not their responsibility. And they did nothing wrong that my five-year-old is melting down on the floor because he just doesn't want to go to his remote class today. There's nothing his teacher could have done differently that would have made him more interested in going to his remote class. So for her to take any of that blame or to work an extra four hours that night to make the lesson even more engaging because she wants him to attend because she doesn't want him to melt down, he is not melting down because of her. He's melting down because of the situation he's in. So I don't want her to take responsibility for that. And I have to remember that myself as a teacher, that I can only do so much. I can inform parents. I can have an open conversation. I can say, listen, I get it. If there's certain days your kids don't want to come, fine. I am never going to be more entertaining teaching a grammar lesson than a Call of Duty game. So I can work with the parents and say, hey, can we put some limits on the video games? Can we try to encourage them and promote them to come to school and try to encourage that? Sure. But at the end of the day, that parent and that kid is just surviving through this. And sometimes I just can't take that personally. And I have to do what I have to do and I have to do the best I can do. But I also can't take responsibility for things that are far beyond my control. It cannot be a band-aid for this broken system. We are not given enough tech. We are not given enough support. Our students don't have enough devices or access to remote learning through proper internet, through proper devices, through anything. Parents are not given enough support to be able to support their students through remote learning. There are so many problems with remote learning. We can't be the only person to hold up that system. So we have to be able to set limits and set boundaries for ourselves as teachers, because if not, there is always going to be something more we could do. But we have to draw a line. We have to be honest with ourselves about what we can and cannot do and how we are going to get through it. Decide what is okay for you to do, what is not okay for you to do, where your boundaries are, and decide where your limits are so that you don't burn out. You won't be able to get everything done. You won't be able to reach every student and you won't be able to be more engaging than a video game. But what can you do that will allow you to simply and easily teach the content you're supposed to teach and get through this remote journey while it is happening? Some of the things for myself that I plan on doing is I plan on using lots of projects, activities, using inquiry, allowing students to go and explore and discover, come back and share. There's going to be a lot more independent activities that they're able to do on their own time and get done, as well as time to just consult and use small groups with me. If you want to see an insight into what my remote teaching schedule is going to look like, and what my lesson plans may look like, then you need to check out the show notes for this video, which you will find in the comments below. Good luck on your teaching and remote journey. If you want to learn more about teaching remotely and strategies to transition and pivot to a remote teacher, then check out the links in the show notes. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you can check out the links that you see on the screen. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.